Good morning, everybody. Aren't we glad that heaven came down so we can go to heaven, be God's people now and forever? We thank you for joining us today. We have a lot of people who are not usually with us, and we want to welcome you. We have sung our songs to praise God and prayed our prayers to petition him. We've thought about his son Jesus to remember his great sacrifice, and now we open his word to be motivated and moved by God's great and powerful word. Thank you for being here this morning for that. I can't speak for every single person in this room, but I'm certain I speak for most people when I say we believe it is essential to be baptized, to be a Christian, and to be saved. And we confirm this statement with the fact that we have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In the religious world today, baptism is a controversial topic, especially the necessity of it and the mode of it. A major position that's held by many people is that salvation is by faith alone, apart from and before baptism. Now, our objective with this subject, as with all subjects, is to understand and practice what the Bible teaches, meaning what does God say about this matter. And as you're well aware, I'm sure many approaches can be taken to address this subject, and I've chosen today to address it this way. It's by thinking with you about what I call surprising statements about baptism. I want us to think about some surprising statements about baptism. The first one is found in Acts chapter 8, and here it is. An Ethiopian said, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, I want to get the larger story before us. We have an Ethiopian nobleman, a eunuch, as court officials often were in those days. He served as the financial director for Candace, queen of Ethiopia. This man we're thinking about also had connections with the Jewish religion. Whether or not he was a proselyte, we can't know with certainty. But we do know that he had traveled to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning home to Ethiopia, riding in his chariot, reading from the scriptures, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And then the Holy Spirit prompted Philip to catch up with the chariot. And when he did, he heard the man reading from Isaiah, and he asked the Ethiopian if he understood what he was reading. Well, the Ethiopian said he could use some help. He needed somebody to guide him, and he invited Philip to be that someone. So Philip joined the chariot where the eunuch was reading from Isaiah chapter 53 in our text. And he began at that scripture, and Philip told the Ethiopian, the text says, the Phil, the Philip told the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. Now comes the surprising statement. Luke records that they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Well, in light of what many people believe and teach about baptism today, these words are surprising. You know, I thought about the fact that if this scene were in our world, the question almost certainly would have been different. The Ethiopian wouldn't have asked about baptism at all. The good news would include the words such as, just believe in Jesus, accept him as your savior in your heart. Let him come into your heart, or say the sinner's prayer. Someone might add, baptism is just an outward sign of an inward grace. Now, I have no intention of misrepresenting anyone. 
and I'm just repeating what I've heard and read others have said about this matter. So I ask this question, why in the world would the Ethiopian hear the good news about Jesus, see water, and ask about being baptized? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Talk about necessary implication. Here's a clear and simple example of it. Why would the eunuch say, here is water, what prevents me from being baptized? Obviously, the good news about Jesus included baptism. The implication is that in preaching the good news about Jesus, Philip had said something about being baptized into Jesus. And that's why the Ethiopian asked the question, and that's what he wanted to do. And by the way, I would also add that this episode gives us information about the mode of baptism, that it is immersion in water. Listen to what else Luke says in Acts 8, verse 38 that the Ethiopian commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And where the word means, the word baptized means to dip, plunge, or immerse, the mode, it seems to me, to be beyond dispute. Why would two men go down into the water if one was just going to sprinkle the other? The obvious conclusion is that they went down into the water so one could immerse the other. And the text says, then they came up out of the water. So here's this wonderful little scene in Acts 8. The Ethiopian learned about Jesus, which included something about baptism. He saw water, and instead of debating the issue, he wanted to be baptized. And he was baptized, and he went on his way rejoicing, which is something we don't want to overlook, that he went on his way rejoicing. If you'll think back to the time you were baptized into Jesus Christ, when you came up out of the water, I'm guessing that you went on your way rejoicing. Would you say yes? Amen. Amen. So they came up out of the water and went on their way. He went on his way rejoicing. And I want to say to us today that here is water behind the screen, and there's nothing that prevents you from being baptized into Jesus. A few moments, we'll be giving an invitation, and you can let us know that you want to be baptized into Jesus. Because the preaching of Jesus includes something about baptism, that we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, as Peter said on the day of Pentecost. But I turn to another surprising statement, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. From the pen of Paul, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. What? He did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Well, if you didn't know this statement is in the New Testament, you might be shocked, especially if you observe how often we emphasize being baptized. And then you hear the great apostle Paul say that Christ did not send him to baptize. That might be a deal-breaker, you know, in determining if baptism is essential. It might be if the statement is taken in isolation. But this is exactly what we must not do. Our job with, this, with these words from the Apostle Paul, as with any language and literature, our job is not to make of it whatever we want to, our job is to understand the point that Paul is making in the context in which he made it. 
That's the only way to understand any sentence accurately, is to understand it in the context in which it is found. So let's do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is addressing division in the church at Corinth. He said, I got a report from Chloe's people, mentioned in chapter 1, verse 10. They reported to the apostle about quarreling among Christians that had resulted in divisions or factions among people so that people were claiming connections with different men. Some said, I follow Paul. Some say, I follow Apollos. Some say, I follow Cephas. Some say, I follow Christ. Paul tries to help them understand what this implies, and he does this by asking questions. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, everybody knew that, uh, Paul knew that everybody understood he had not been crucified for them. People understood that. They were not baptized in Paul's name. And if they would think about that just a little, it should be clear that they were not following Paul as their Savior. He had not been crucified for them. They were not baptized into his name. Then his question is, why are some of you saying, I'm of Paul? Well, to substantiate that point, Paul points out that he had actually baptized only a few people in Corinth, Crispus, Gaius, the house of Stephanus. And he gives the impression that he's really not keeping up with who baptized who because it didn't matter. He was not minimizing baptism. He was not saying that baptism is not essential. He is saying that his primary work is preaching the gospel and who does the baptizing doesn't matter. The person who does the baptizing is irrelevant. Now, baptism was important to the Apostle Paul. He himself was baptized. We read in Acts 9 and again in Acts 22. And this apostle wrote distinctively and clearly about baptism. Listen to what he says in Romans 6. Verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, this great apostle thought that baptism was important, essential, and significant. And when we are baptized into Jesus, we are joined with him in his death and his resurrection. Being baptized into Christ is relevant, it is significant, and it is essential. Who does the actual baptizing? That person is irrelevant. This is the point that Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand. And so we are reminded from what might at first appear to be a shocking statement to understand this sentence and every other sentence in the context in which it is made. Well, one more surprising statement about baptism. 1 Peter 3, verse 21. Baptism now saves you. Now, this is an especially surprising statement in light of contemporary views about baptism. Many students of the Bible who write books, and many from whom I have learned much, do not teach that baptism is essential or that it in any way results in salvation. Now, it's my purpose today to be fair and accurate in stating what others believe. 
And so I just don't want to state it myself. Here's a short clip that is representative of what people are saying about baptism. Listen. Dr. Bjornstead, if you'd start us off, please. I believe that salvation, as I study the Bible, is that which is given by God's grace, that it is God's doing, and that it is appropriated to us by faith or trust or believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, apart from and before baptism. I do believe that baptism is an ordinance which Christ commands us to participate in, but that it has nothing to do with salvation. That being baptized is apart from, that being saved is apart from and before baptism. And his final words were that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Now that's quite incredible to me when you read the plain and understandable words that Peter wrote. Peter said, baptism now saves you. One man says baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Peter says baptism now saves you. Now we may differ on several aspects of this subject, but how one ever comes to the conclusion that baptism has nothing to do with salvation, I don't understand. He says baptism now saves you. And he adds some points to clarify and substantiate that idea. He uses the analogy of Noah's Ark. An analogy is which one thing corresponds to another. So here's what he says about the Ark, Peter writes. The Ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Or some translations have, were saved through water. So people were in the Ark. And the rain came, and it came, and it came, and it came. And the, ark, the water that destroyed the world is the same water that bore up the ark, preserving or saving those who were on the inside. So Peter pursues the thought of being saved through water and makes a direct reference to Christian's baptism. He says that as Noah's family members were saved through water from physical death, as the water bore up the ark. So, baptism into Jesus saves from eternal death. They were saved through water from physical death. Baptism saves to eternal death. That's the correspondence. So the water that saves Noah's family is not the water that saves believers, but it corresponds to it. That's the way an analogy works. Peter also says something of how that water saves. It is not an outward cleaning, he says. It's not cleaning the flesh, but it is an appeal to God for a good conscience. But don't stop there. Let's continue reading. He says it is an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So baptism joins one to Christ as we saw from the pen of the Apostle Paul, in his death and in his resurrection. Join with him, join with Jesus. In his death and resurrection, then we are raised to walk a new life in this world and ultimately carried with him to resurrection life. So the key, the key is being joined to Christ. That's what saves, being joined to Jesus. Without Jesus and his death and resurrection, baptism is just a dip under water, and it's useless. 
but as a means of joining Christ, as a means of joining Christ, connected with his death and resurrection, salvation results. I would say baptism is important. When Peter wrote, baptism now saves you. And if you don't know, and most of you do, but you'll be interested to know, I hope, that this corresponds precisely with what Jesus said. Mark 16, 16, he said, He who believes and is baptized will be, help me finish it, saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So it's not surprising to read in the book of Acts that people repented, were baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It's not surprising to read that people were baptized and their sins were washed away. What is surprising, at least to me anyway, is to hear someone say that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Baptism now saves you. An appeal to God for a good conscience. It is an expression of faith in Jesus. So I want to close today by referring not to a surprising statement, but an important statement. The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, was Saul of Tarsus. He was on the road going to Damascus when he saw a light from heaven who he came to know as Jesus, who was not dead but was alive. He had been raised from the dead. Paul went on into the city and thought about that for three days. He couldn't see anything else, but he could see that bright light in his mind's eye. And then Ananias, sent by the Lord, came to him. And he said to Saul of Tarsus, Why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And I'll borrow those words of Ananias to end my sermon today. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't been baptized, why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And we invite and encourage you to do that this morning, right now, as we stand and as we sing together.